0: What THE track! You
1: are listening to WIDE
0: THE
1: Drive. Are you ready to trek it to staff here? Nooner with Dooner! Welcome to Christmas Land! I felt so pathetic up here the other day without my tree. It was after Thanksgiving and I usually have it up. Had to go get it, got on Wednesday. We have it here. Some of your ornaments have already come in. It looks fantastic. I spent today during Freight Waves Now uh, annoying the team over there as they filmed because their set's right adjacent to mine as I decorated this thing. Unfortunately, Haley Fazio did not come down here. I had a 60-second challenge for her to unbundle all the lights, but um, I think she passed on that one. I wasn't able to sweeten the pot. But if she did, I may have had a gift for her because I have to thank my benefactor... Arrow Swag. They sent me this awesome hoodie. It came in the mail. Super comfortable. Keep me nice and toasty up here and has my favorite tweet of the year on it. It's from the uh, JOC, the journalist there, who said, most people in logistics and freight and trade are nice people, but serious people and memeing your way into the industry's consciousness only goes so far with them. Most people need more value than entertainment. What an awesome shirt. What a great message to stand behind. I firmly believe it. All right, man. So this has been a crazy week. There's so much to get into. Like, for example, the Cybertruck drop, but it's been a big week for Elon. For example, he went to the Deal Book Summit and um he had some controversial takes. Take a look at this over here. He goes, uh, he goes, um, go F yourself to his advertisers. He said, You don't want to work with him, you want to blackmail him, go F yourself. So I asked the community in freight, what makes you say go F yourself? What in your industry. Drives you up a wall. What makes you say just stop it? Well Justin Martin says memes are dumb. Drage logistics says when CBP keeps a container and exam for twenty one days and the steamship line doesn't wave demurrage. What the truck site says, local news sites talking about the driver shortage. Joe for Senate says the two party duopoly. Yeah, it doesn't give you a lot of choices out there, does it? Joe. I think he's running, too. I'm not sure what. In California. I don't know. Look him up. Zay, the truck driver, says other truck drivers who leave pee bottles everywhere ensuring that we'll never have anywhere to park again. Hey, take that in. Very introspective. Canadamo DAT, said any government assessorial schedule and fuel scale, especially DOD, if you know, you know. What the, what the F in a truck <laughs> says? Lack of parking, D O T idiots at all, cheap freight, scamming brokers, uh, and the technology... And driving an automatic, the list is too long. Freight broker guy, detention requests after late check-ins. Max Posteval, double brokers. Hey, Max, we're going to be talking about double brokers today. Clara has a list she's making public of double brokers. So that'll be cool. Um, Mark Foss no driver restrooms. Maybe that goes back to Zay's tweet, though, about the pee bottles. Adam Wingfield said guard shack conversation when you're only 10 minutes early to an appointment. Rich Leskowski, phone numbers with Los Angeles area codes. That's another double broker one. Clara, you couldn't have come at a better time. Uh, the People's Dan says, dispatchers that don't communicate anything to their drivers or anyone else. Ivan Hernandez, factoring, I just found out I got sold to the highest bidder. Wow, got kicked like a student loan. Anthony Filippo, people keep saying there's a trucker shortage when they couldn't be any further from the truth. Another one about that. Hey, what drives you insane? What makes you say F you? What really pisses you off out there? I want to know. Get it out before the holiday season. Don't take this out on your family. Don't take this out on your friends. Vent, vent to me. I'm here for it. I got something to vent about. I put a pre-order in on this stupid thing in 2019 when they broke the windows and everything. The Cybertruck was supposed to be $40,000 probably to like jack up the pre-orders because now it's 50% more. They released the prices yesterday at the delivery event. The rear-wheel drive entry-level Cybertruck is now $60,990. The all-wheel drive is going to be $70,990. And the Cyber Beast is going to be um, nearly $100,000, $99. 990 bucks, big deal. The base model one is expected to have a 250 mile range and accelerates from zero to 60 in 6.5 seconds. Not terrible. The all wheel drive one is expected to have a range of 340 miles. One of the things that they're pedaling for these though is a range extender. The range extender, the way this thing works is I think it weighs, they didn't put a weight out, but I think it's like 400 to 700 pounds. You have to have it installed professionally by a Tesla service center. And it takes up one third of the trunk space. Then you put a spare tire in there, it takes up like the other two-thirds of the trunk space. So I'm not sure of the utility of it. I think they look cool. I can't wait till uh, Matt McClellan over at Covenant gets his so I can take a ride in it. Although, if those pre-orders stand with the production numbers, I think there's 1.9 million pre-orders. I think Tesla said they can make, you know, they're going to ramp up to maybe 300,000 of these a year. It's going to be waiting like, you know, five, six years maybe for some of these to come out. But they are going to start rolling off the line in... um. 2024. So if you've been waiting long enough, you're about to see them Now, if you want to pre-order it, though, it's no longer 100 bucks, it's 250 bucks. So go over to Tesla.com if you're any interested. And before we get to our guests, I got to give a shout out to Covenant. Um, any office out there, if you ever play What the Truck in your office, take a picture, send it to me. Always happy to give a shout out to you. This is the Covenant team over there. This is Matt and the CFO. They always watch What the Truck in the office. And uh, hey, thank you guys. And Matt, you have to. You're often a co-host on this show. So thank you for your support. All right, today on the show, we got some awesome stuff. We got Flexport's Bill Triggert We're gonna find out where Flexport is going in trucking. If you remember, they picked up Convoys Tech. But that wasn't their big acquisition. Well, it was a big one, but another big one was Bill triggered himself. He's from Uber Freight. He was one of the founders over there. Now he's over at Flexport. Now he's trying to make them a big player in trucking over the road. We'll find out what they're doing and how that's all going to work. We got green screen AIs. Kevin Coombs, the biggest Eagles fan in freight. He's coming to the table to talk about automated billing, climbing the Freight Tech 25, the doing business in U.S. and China, losing bets. We'll find out all about it from him. Um, we've got trucking author Ben McCully. He's got a new trucking tome: Read When Safe. McCully tells us all the timeless lessons he's learned on the road and all the weird stuff he's seen while he's been out there. It's a great book. I've been listening to the audiobook myself on Audible, but you can get that one on Amazon. We have carrier sources. Kara Flaherty. She's going to dish out on Chicago's best pizza. She's going to reel her latest list of double brokers, and she's got some marketing tools for carriers trying to drive some revenue, get your name out there. Maybe she can help you. But let's get to it. Kevin is here. He's the chief revenue officer at Green Screens AI. It was about a month ago I saw you in person, Kevin. And uh I didn't see you wearing your favorite football player's jersey, but you look great in that Hertz shirt.
2: Throw me under the bus before I can even defend myself. <laughs> I, in the intro. I'm in the back, I'm backstage, i backstage. just gotta take it. Yeah, we do. We have
1: Jalen Hurts on today. It's... So what happened? Tell us what happened here. So you made an you did, was this an office bet? Was this a freight related bet? What what occurred here? Because you're a Kansas City guy, well, right? You're not really. Yeah, you're not really an Eagles fan.
2: No. Yes, I'm a massive Chiefs fan, diehard, going way back. Um, but no, it, it actually started last year with the Super Bowl. So uh, Don Salvucci, Favier, our CEO, is a huge Eagles fan, and. Uh, Last year at the Super Bowl, her and Trey Griggs and I made a bet that if the Eagles won, we would wear Eagles jerseys after the Super Bowl on an interview or a podcast. And she if not, she would have to wear Mahomes, the Chiefs jersey, on an interview. So obviously the Chiefs won, as we all know. Um, and she did make good on her bet. She wore her Mahomes jersey on an interview. And so uh, this year for the Monday Night Football game, Dawn actually came in town with her daughter, Allie, both huge, again, uh, Eagles fans. And we made another bet, which I lost. And well, so here I am.
1: It's very respectable that you're making good on it, and you've, you've taken some of my ribbing here. Uh, let me ask you: Is Greenscreens based out of Kansas City?
2: We're we're based out of everywhere. Um, yeah. We're no, we're about entirely remote as you can be. Um, technically, our company's based out of Fort Pierce, Florida. That's our PO box and where everything the mail goes. But uh, we have now um, 45 total employees uh, covering 13 states, 14 states. i got to get my numbers right. And then we actually have a development team over in Lithuania that's an office over there. And then we have some developers in various countries. Bali, we have a developer in Bali. So we are very global and (laughs) very domestic.
1: You (laughs) know, we run... We run in some of the same circles. I, I was looking in your background. You used to work at Carrier Direct, now known as Metaphor. So you must know like Ryan Schreiber and Peter Rentschler and those guys. I did. I do. I do very well. Uh, Peter actually started
2: uh, about a year and a half after I started Carrier Direct. So we got to know each other pretty well, sat next to each other in the office. That was a lifetime ago. I feel like it was years ago. But um, yeah, I was there pretty early on when they first got the company get uh, going. Well, in the-
1: well, then Greenscreens hires you, and it only takes two years of you being with the company to to rise, to ascend to number five on the Freight Tech Twenty Five. Show this picture right here. That's the screen from the event where Kevin was. Tell us a little bit about that. How did you How did you climb the ladder? What's What's working in Freight Tech right now?
2: I think the biggest thing for us, I mean, in terms of making the Freight Tech Twenty Five and and what we've done the last couple of years, is. Um, listening to our customers <laughs> i know that sounds so cliche but it it, it i think with the the, the market we kind of caught lightning in a bottle right after covid and all the supply chain issues and everything that happened with rates and the market volatility um you know we were developing an ai pricing tool very specific to each customer so it's modeled for each customer each broker 3pl it, it's, it's specific to their business their freight their characteristics And I think um, that helped tremendously right? because the market got tough. It got very, very difficult to price freight um, with the volatility. And uh, so a lot of the development we've done in the last two years is is really customer feedback. We had some great pilot customers with NFI, um, RDS, Gulf Relay that helped us really build the technology. But as we've grown, we've gone from, I think, eight or nine customers when I got here to 150 plus now today. And I think a lot of that was just the feedback we've gotten from them. And as we've grown and developed the, the technology, it's, it's just gotten better and better. I think transparency is another thing for us. It's huge openness. We have a lot of conversations with our customers around the data, the accuracy, the results, all of that. Um, and that's been a, a huge uh, plus for us with our customers because I think traditionally in freight tech that hasn't been as big of a, a thing. People have been like, well, it works. Just trust us, just use it, right? So,
1: like trying to fit a solution into someone else's uh, paradigm that just may not fit.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. So what, exactly. So what are those customers saying? Like, it's awesome that you, they're your north star; they're guiding you. But like, what were they guiding you with? Like, for example, in automated bidding.
2: Yeah, I think specifically with the the automation, right, and the speed of the market and getting to market faster, it's 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 really about making it the process simpler, right. Being able to take a butt, a but, put it in a seat, and let them price freight, right? It's difficult. It's always been traditionally been difficult to price freight. It takes you know, 12 to 18 months to, to train somebody up where you feel really comfortable, that you don't need a manager looking over their shoulder to, to you know do carrier sales or do customer sales to make sure that you're getting the right margins and you're getting the right, right loads, uh, carriers unloads. Um, so I think that's been a huge thing for us, keeping it simple, delivering to where the customer is, getting integrations done with partnerships. Um, the automation piece has obviously been huge. Uh, you, know, you mentioned Bill and Flexport, um, Flexport's actually a customer of ours, uh, but Convoy, Uber, the, the companies that came out in the digital freight world, you know, love them or hate them, they really drove this speed to market concept that has, I think, changed for freight forever in terms of the brokers in the 3PL market um we've kind of always likened it to like the late 80s early 90s when stockbrokers went from like you know phones to the internet and started transacting online instead of on paper Um, i think we're getting to that point i don't think we're there yet but it's kind of driven this idea that you need to bid automatically quickly on spot freight in the market um you need to respond faster to rfps and so we've really made that a point of emphasis for us to make it easy for a broker to quickly take green screens and start quoting freight faster or integrating it into like an automated bidding platform and then immediately sending out quotes to a bid board for a large shipper
1: like what has some of that feedback been from those customers that has caused that's helped you evolve green screens like what were some of the early issues in automated bidding that you had to face and how did you overcome those
2: yeah, I think the difficult piece in any of that with the automation is accuracy and reliability because the market is so volatile. I mean, anybody that's listening, any of your audience knows this. I, I'm preaching the choir, but it's just that the market can shift on you so fast. Capacity can change. Um, you know, different freight is going to have different instances where, uh, you know, pricing, a load of scrap metal versus a pricing, a load of uh, electronics for Samsung are gonna be wi- wildly different rates, right? Even if you're still moving from Chicago to Dallas, you need to understand the concept and the context behind that freight to be able to quickly and accurately price it. And so for us with the AI and the machine learning piece, I mean, that's been, that's been the driving force behind that is, is identifying those data points and those models for each customer individually, right? Because we build a model for each broker that is specific to them using all the data we have, but specific to their characteristics when predicting pricing. That's a huge piece of it because if you take the automated bidding piece, for example, um, there's a lot of good companies out there that were on the freight tech list, right? Hub tech, uh, AVRL, um, Bitfreighter, uh, you know, Speed to Quote, some others. They are handling the, what do I want to bid on And why, right? I don't want before 8 a.m. pickups. I don't want after 5 p.m. pickups on a Friday. You know, and then we're kind of bringing in that um, the rating component of that. Okay, well, here's the characteristics I do want. What do I price this freight at? And without taking that all into account uh, and all those variables, which there's hundreds of them, if you start looking at market data with capacity and fuel and other things, um, it's pretty impossible <laughs> to win in this market with the automation and the speed without having that taken into effect and really the only thing that can do that is AI and machine learning a human being can't can't do that a computer can though H-
1: how do you make it so it we- like, I like I've worked, I've sold freight before, I've been in places, and like all these brokerages, I was in these 3PLs, they were like a mishmash of like SOPs, tribal knowledge, Jim over, uh you know, in the cubicle over there knows that account, and like all these exceptions and like weird knowledge, it seems like it would be kind of a nightmare to make a computer understand all of that, understand all those exceptions. How do you make sure that it's accurate? And we don't get like some of the results that we were getting with like, I don't know, like chat GPT-3 where it would, you know, if you didn't know the answer to the question, It seemed really smart, but if you asked it something you actually knew, you'd be like, oh, wait a second, this is a party trick.
2: Right. Yeah. It's funny that you bring up the large language models, right, with like ChatGPT, because the difference with ChatGPT and like what we do from an AI machine learning perspective is that ChatGPT, actually Mark Andreessen said this best, so I'm just going to steal his thing uh on a podcast i was listening to mark Andreessen talked about um if you know Andreessen horowitz he's the netscape founder helped find found the modern internet now he's a huge investor he basically said chat gpt and large language models he's like it's the it's the most purest form of love he's like all they want to do is make you happy even if it's the wrong answer they want to give you the answer that you want right so if you don't prompt it correctly if you don't give it the right information the right model for what you want it's just going to give you an echo chamber right it's going to try to to feed you the answer that you're looking for which won't always be the right answer. And so, the way that we work with prediction models and like mixed models, machine learning, and building the data sets and the filtration is probably, you know, th- that is the key piece of it uh, is being able to identify the data that should be in training the AI to make predictions, identify what should be excluded. And that changes for every customer, right? Because certain market effects, uh, certain load data, certain information for one customer may not be the right information for another customer. Because to your point, right, the load characteristics can be different. There can be hundreds of variables. The beauty of AI is that um, it can actually multitask, which humans can't actually do. So we can take billions and billions of data points, feed it through the model and let it learn train the algorithm to make the predictions and then make all the adjustments it needs to make for all those conditions and then go back and and make a prediction what we then do though is it's not just hey it worked or you know it it, trust it we go back and measure it right you got to take the load data then that was booked after those predictions were made match those back up and see how close the ai came so it's kind of a reward function in that too it's not trying to give you. The answer you want is trying to give you the right answer by getting closer to the bullseye is the way we describe it, right? So the closer that it gets, it knows those things worked, and then it's going back and analyzing based on those models. So really, the the proof in the pudding there is it's not just turn it on, let's set it and forget it. It's 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 you got to continue to train it. It's a it's a it's a continual process of of making sure that it's improving, that it's reacting to the market.
1: Interesting. So you don't want the personality of a golden retriever in your AI. And uh, the, the thing about multitasking hit me because, like, it like I always tell my wife, she should make me have to fill out like a captcha if I'm agreeing to anything and I'm like in the middle of something else. <laughs> because, like, I will have, she'll be like, no, Are you agree that never too. Me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, honey, yeah. make me fill out a captcha so that you can know that I'm actually paying attention to what you just told me right now. Yeah. I agree to something that I didn't realize I was agreeing to. We're almost out of time, but I had a question for you. You've operated in both, you've worked in both China. In the USA. What is your biggest takeaway from working in China that's different from the US? Like what is your advice if someone's entering that market?
2: Ooh, entering the Chinese market? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Um, it's it's, it's just it's just a different business process in China, right? So I actually owned a company over there for two years, uh, in joint with a couple other guys that I went to school with in college, and uh it's very, you know, we're, we think we're very relationship driven in this, this world, and especially in this industry. And we are in a certain way, but there's a lot more regulation here in terms of the rules, right? In terms of what you can leverage those relationships for and how, and how you can uh, formulate business around those, right? With anti-competitive practices, things like that. China doesn't have much of that. Um, they do, they claim to, um, and you don't want to get too close to the flame over there uh, because you can get in trouble. But uh, the relationship piece is the paramount piece over there. They call it guanxi is what it's referred to in China, which literally means like like relationship or network. Um, and guanxi is, is is like the key business practice. So who do you know? Who can they introduce you to? Uh, people want to do business with people that they know. They would rather take a inferior product with someone they know versus taking a superior product that's maybe new to the market or something that they don't know so it's it's actually very hard to get started over there because of that so you need good chinese partners you need good chinese connections to get moving and the other piece of those connections too is that you need to have an understanding of the business culture so that you don't get trouble right so you don't get too close to the flame if you will um you need to have somebody that's gonna stop. Uh, you know, stop you and say don't do that <laughs> or don't say those things. Like we had some business meetings that we walked out of with our, we had a really good Chinese partner uh, that was part of our business, and he was like, "Wow, you guys really blew that one." And we had no oh. idea what was going on. <laughs> right? Like, like, what did we do wrong? Like, we just that's negotiation. And he's like, "No, no, you should have just done this and this." So, it's definitely difficult, um, and I think it's only gotten worse with the political climate and the trade climate. So, yeah, but it's all uh, with the Ganshi the guanxi guanxi, I guanxi yeah I guanxi kevin
1: i love it kevin you, you've imparted some great knowledge on us if people want to reach out to you fellow eagles fans they want to talk about the dirty birds where do i send them to mm-hmm.
2: uh you can you can reach out to uh, the company at greenscreens.ai it's right on the screen that's our logo that's our website it's good marketing um but you can also reach out to me through linkedin or my twitter at kevin coombs exactly how it's spelled i'm always down to network meet people talk to people um help people out you know so uh love our industry love the ability that we have to in it to network and work together there's a lot of co-opetition, which is really cool that you don't get in other industries so
1: kevin yeah well, thank you so much man you have a happy holidays thanks for stopping by the show today it was great to have you, you too on. man have a happy holidays you too i'll see you soon dude. little cow buff you take it easy all right everybody meanwhile take a look at this I wanna do this, so when when Bill comes up, I gotta pitch this to him. I think that Bill, Ryan Peterson, Craig Fuller, and myself need to go out to this place, and we need to just start ramming the crap out of shipping containers with a tank. I mean, look how fun, the, he hasn't even done the fun part yet. Watch the treads here. He's gonna tear through this entire damn thing. NV guys said, I wanted to drive over a Freightliner, and I had a shot at it at drivetanks.com. They said I could shoot it, But not drive over it. Uh, Michael Schutter said this is so metal. I agree. Bill Hell, America! What has gotten in (laughs) there?
3: They were all. Hey, this is probably.
1: What is in there? I think it's about $3,000 to do this. Cut it out. Stop. Stop, I said.
3: Jeez. So we're gonna just do a quick damage assessment to see if there's any damage. So there's so what, damage. The
1: tank? This looks reliable on camera, <laughs> but we've actually had some slight issues. We keep driving it into the wood. So fun. Um, awesome. Hey Bill, what do you think? Bill Drieger, by the way, he's the EVP head of North America at Flexport. It's 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 so weird for me to say Flexport because I'm so used to you being with uh being with Uber Freight. But what do you think? Should we go ride a tank and, and and like we could put a Flexport logo on a container, or we could put a competitor of yours on the container and we could just destroy the hell out of it.
4: Yeah, that looks awesome. Do they have more than one? Can we, like, race them and,
2: you
1: know, drift them around? I think they do. So it's in Texas. It's someplace in Texas, and you can go, like, totally nuts and and do stuff like this. And, you know, I think Ryan may be into it. I know he's over in Beijing. I I follow him on Twitter. And I've been talking to him a lot lately, and your drum kit came up because— it turns out the Petersons are not only fans of What the Truck, but they're also fans of gongs. And they've been singing the gong activity. And I think that, you know, Ryan and Olga have gotten a little bit jealous seeing how much fun we've been having it. And I heard they're considering either bringing a gong to Flexport HQ or an entire drum kit for you.
4: Yeah, I think a drum kit would be, <laughs> would be great. got to do that. At least a cowbell. Like a cowbell and a gong. We'll always need more cowbell.
1: Right. Do you get over, do you get over to the office there? You look like, are you in your house right now? Or do you have a nice little like study within Flexport?
4: No, this is uh yeah, this is home. Um, it looks like home. Yeah. get. I was in the office yesterday. We get to the office pretty often. Yeah. Just down in
1: San Francisco. Bill, by the way, we have a real quick clip. I know you, I don't, I know you don't have the kit. What's that? No, I said, I said, there's probably space for drum kit though. Although I'll tell you a
4: story. I went to the Airbnb office once and they had, a, they had a little room with the drum kit. And uh, I tried to play. I was a guest. So I tried to play the drum kit, and they just got everybody got pissed. <laughs> yeah, they're like, they can't play the drum kit during the middle of the day.
1: Well, um, you didn't piss me off when you played yours. In fact, uh, a few years ago, you came on with the truck. We have a quick clip so we can at least see Bill at action. Take a look at this hitting the hitting the skins on his kit last Christmas. As I told you, Bill, I got my kids their own digital kit. Now they still rock. They're getting at it right. I have an issue with the headphones though. I gotta fix like the module that's on there. There's a lot of static coming through it, so it's a little annoying to use at the moment. We can drop that though, but Bill, you were crushing it. You were you were killing it. And you know what? It's so it's it's so wild because there's so much news this year, and, and you know, your had Convoy come up and so much going on in DFBs, and you know, Flexport had their news, and one of like the stories that stuck out to me was you joining the team. How did you end up over at Flexport?
4: Yeah, it's it's uh it's an interesting story because. Um, you know, I spent six years, eight months at Uber Freight. It was an incredible journey. I was like, uh, Uber for freight is a theme throughout my career, going back to like 2012 that, uh, the opportunity to do it at Uber was amazing and that was an incredible journey. Uh, but, uh, Flexport reached out and, uh, it was clear there was an opportunity to take that tech farther into new modes like Dredge. It's a global company. The scope of the problem that Flexport's, uh, uh going after was so interesting and compelling to me. Also, just the team, like Ryan and, and what the team had built over there was, was very compelling. I'll also say the mission of Flexport 2 overlaps with a belief statement that I've always had. And the, the mission is make global commerce so easy There's there will be more of it. And I've always had this internal belief statement that freight should be easy and we make it easy through tech. Uh, and it was just such a compelling opportunity to be able to come over and just take that journey a little farther. Now, clearly Flexport's in a very different space, but they have a significant volume of of trucking and and truckload. Uh, They do, of course, a ton of drayage associated with the the NBOCC business, Uh, and that's a space where there hasn't been quite as much penetration of the model, Uh, but also it was clear all their shippers had trucking needs, had truckload needs, uh, and there was an opportunity to just take that farther and it was also one of those where it was clear i knew how to make it better and i knew what i could do and come in and, and improve it and how we could just take that tech a little bit farther so
1: you know i've worked for a few global trade 3pls and they were all of them were were somewhat deficient in their own way in capturing the truckload market like we were really good at booking boxes we were really good at compliance but for some reason... Yeah. well I asked one of the companies I was with because they did own a trucking company for a little while and they lost a lot of money having assets. So they're like, well, assets cost a lot of, a lot of money so we're not in it. And I think that that's sort of like the zeitgeist that a lot of 3 peels have. They're like, we just don't touch trucking. So they have a couple partners and they throw everything off there. But like, I knew about trucking. I'm like, man, I feel like we're losing a lot of money. We're losing all that capture. Um, how are you going to fix that over at like Flexport? What are you doing now to increase that, uh, that growth and and getting those um, overseas, those international shippers who are bringing stuff to the U S to start having Flexport pull it.
4: Yeah. It's, it takes a different type of thinking with trucking. Uh, Trucking is, you know, in ocean, you've got a much smaller set of providers. Uh, Typically, two of the largest shippers will work with the ocean liners directly. There's a lot of just differences in how you go to market, but also differences operationally. And that's, that's, I think, why I would say most forwarders probably struggle with it, is that if you bring ocean thinking to it, to trucking, um, you're not going to end up with as much of a capability in the sense that, you know, on the ocean side, the your average transaction, like between pickup and delivery, is typically you know twenty plus days. As where in trucking, it's the same day. It's a higher frequency service. Uh, shippers typically use multiple carriers versus a single, you know, just a handful of of ocean liners and NVOCC. So the, there's so many small differences that I think you have to work through. So a lot of my focus, even just right out of the gate, was. Um, working through systems or processes that had maybe been built in a way that was a little more ocean centric and just bringing a little more truckload thinking into that uh you know when i say truckload thinking coming from a broker background it's very much you know there's a lot of hustle and dollar focus and really transaction by transaction uh, operational focus that you bring uh, from a broker and i think just instilling that but also just building the systems so that they're more responsive so that we can have better tracking we're more directly integrated Uh, you have to just there's a lot of little differences, and some of them are subtle. But some of them, you know, coming in as a trucking person right away, you're like, oh, okay, that's that's kind of that appears to be ocean thinking. Because here's probably a better way to do it, where you know, we we can directly integrate with the carrier, as an example, and just get those get updates immediately. And there's there's little nuanced differences that we're working through one by one.
5: Dude,
1: uh, even but that's the word- also what. Well, I was gonna say, even the word tariff, like if you say tariff to like a customs broker or a guy on the global 3PL side, they think you're talking about an HTS number. If you say tariff to a trucking guy, he thinks you're talking about like a set trucking rate. Even like, even the same words we use are suddenly different. And it confused me like so much when yeah. I went on the other side. And I'm there's like, so
4: There's so many acronyms. And yeah, we talk about, uh, you know, rate cards, NACs and things that just you don't think about on the truckload side. And then when you translate them, you're like, okay, well, you know, okay, now I understand. But yeah, there's a lot of that. Uh, just learning the terminology, uh, learning the operating mode, uh, where there's all these little subtle differences. And then they bleed into the modes. So, you know, kind of the ocean thinking and how the ocean liners work then bleeds into how drayage operates. In some ways, uh, you have to question that, like, does that actually make sense? Or is that just because you know, that's how the ocean liners typically think about it? There's a lot of those areas of opportunity.
1: So speaking of opportunity, um, unfortunate story this year, Convoy, you know, is a very tough market. Uh, Venture capital markets, a lot of venture capital markets weren't spending money. A lot of uh, shippers weren't spending money. A lot of of people who wanted to move freight weren't spending money. Convoy found themselves in a a bad spot. However, that created an opportunity for Flexport to look at that and say, hey, we've worked with Convoy before. We've partnered with them on tech. Maybe it's a good idea to pick up their tech stock. How how did that come together, that that whole Convoy deal that that they're now part of you?
4: Yeah, we learned about the news the same time as everybody else. But uh, Ryan and I both had prior relationships with Dan. Uh, I've had a you know a ton of respect for Dan and what they built, and uh, we got into conversations right away and just said, you know, okay, what you know, how can we help here? What can we do? Um, you know, I knew of course I knew the tech at Uber Freight. We spent most of our time like going head to head with Convoy. I mean, it's, that's always been the narrative, right? Uber Freight and Convoy, uh, kind of changing the market and driving this digital change. So. I knew there was incredible value in what they built, and I also knew it'd be a shame if there wasn't a ch- like a next chapter to this. So we reached out. We were able to work through a deal. I think uh, throughout that process, it was it's very clear that you know Dan and then the Convoy team wanted nothing more than to see like this tech go into safe hands, find a next life, like find the next opportunity. You know, it's unfortunate how all this uh, unwound, but uh, you know now, of course, like in my own journey, I've got a very privileged view of having kind of seen how the, the two leading players in this market operate and having been able to look into the convoy tech and it is, they built some amazing stuff and that team should be like incredibly proud of how far they came. I think how it unwound, you know, eventually that story will be told. But uh, regardless, like there's a, a ton of gold in there and there's a ton of great tech that they built. There absolutely is a business we can build within there. Um, we're deep into that process now and it's, uh, yeah, it's incredibly motivating. I think the team, too, is just, you know, very excited to just find, like, repackage this, refocus it, uh, find that next life. Uh, but, you know, you just had Kevin on talking about, um, like, pricing a lot. There's a lot of uh, ways that Convoy and Uber Freight and others have moved this market and shifted it forward. And, you know, behind that, there's just so much investment, things like pricing, bidding capabilities, real-time, and you know, all the marketplace tech, you know, the, the matching capabilities and the, the load building and, and all those pieces that, you um, they've just made such significant investments and really i'd say are at a level beyond anyone else in the market right and just have and again it's there's going to be a second life for this tech and i'm we're pretty excited to be able to, to to push that
1: so what's like the road now with that? And and by the way, shout out to Dan uh, Dan Lewis. Any if you'll notice something when that story came out, the people who are very reticent to just sort of like dunk and and say mean things about the company are people who know Dan. Like we know how hard that team and that company yeah. had worked at what they'd done. Now it's a part of your ecosystem. So what happens now? How do you how do you how does this help your customers? How does it enhance what Flexport does?
4: Yeah. So our near term focus is getting the the platform turned back on. So one of the things that we did right out of the gate was reach out to uh, customers that had worked. With convoy and say, hey, would you, you know, would you want to turn the? Did you see value in the tech? Would you turn it back on? Uh, is it, uh, you know, you know, where, where's your head at? And we got a lot of very positive responses, and we've, we're we already deep into those conversations, and some into the, you know, deep into the, um, the process of getting that back on. So now it's for us, um, you know, we we just bought the tech, so we've got to rewire everything in the back end, make sure that, uh, and you know, make sure we can flip the switch and turn it back on. And of course, the the shipments stopped, the carriers you know, we've got to bring all the carriers back online. We've got to kind of basically restart it from zero, but we've got all the tech to do that. Now we have a, a lot of advantages. It's such a unique problem too. I don't think there's, I'm, I've I've tried to go back and see if there's similar situation has ever ha- happened where you had a company stop and you're basically turning the platform back on and bringing all the shippers and carriers back onto the platform. Um, and I can't find another analogy, uh, but you can imagine, right, the challenge because now the customers by and large, the majority of them are willing to come back, but, but now we've also got to bring the carriers back on. We've got to, um, you know, the, we, we, we've we hired about 50 of the team uh, from Convoy, but we've got to make sure we've got the team to be able to, to kind of get, kick it back into gear. And we're deep into that process now. So, uh, you know, next year we will have this this back online. Uh, we'll be uh, moving customer freight again. Uh, we are looking at, the in terms of how we're bringing it back to market, I'm also trying to be a lot more thoughtful about where does that tech really add value with which carriers, with which shippers. Let's make sure that we tr- focus in those areas where we know that there's gold, where we know that there's a, a real business and we can kind of build on top of that. And that's our focus right now. And then to expand, certainly we see opportunities within our own ecosystem. Uh, there's a lot of crossover, I think in terms of just topology in, in, of network with, with Dreyage, Convoy had a lot of success as an example in the LA basin with short and regional hauls, And we have a lot of drainage volume in the LA basin as an example with, with very short, you know, regional hauls. And if you think about the profile of, of the freight and the profile of the driver, like there's clearly some cross dispatch opportunities as we go down this path. And that's that's what I'm excited about too, is where these the networks overlap. And then with our existing Flexport customers, they almost, you know, everyone I talk to has truckload needs. Uh, and these are customers that are in our ecosystem, uh, be it a transload truckload or, or straight truckload out of their one of their facilities, they have those needs. And that's, what's, that's interesting and exciting as well. But we're also taking a more open approach because we do work with third parties today. We do work with other brokers. I don't see that changing. Uh, I think this is about how we take that tech and really focus it where it adds value and where it doesn't. Let's find best in class partners to, to work with uh, and push that ball forward because, um, again, we don't. Uh, we want to make sure that we're really zeroing in on where the tech, uh, we know it adds value and where we have golden opportunities with customers. More customers, we're really seeing that value.
1: Well, hey, Bill, good luck to you. Good luck to Ryan, Olivia, Dan, that whole Flexport team and family. You all have a happy holidays and Merry Christmas, a happy new year. I'm really excited to see in 2024 how this develops. We'll catch up with you in a few months and see where you've gotten down the road and, and how you've built this stuff. But in the meantime, people want to reach out to you. Where do I send them, Bill? Uh, Flexport.com. Easy and enough. If, uh, <laughs> yeah,
4: flexport.com. Yeah, a lot more to come. Look, look forward to getting back on the show uh, in the new year. Cool, man.
1: Well, Bill, take it easy. Great. Thanks, Tim. Take care. I mean, hopefully, and hopefully, we can get that thing together where we are, where we take that tank out. In the meantime, elsewhere. Daily says and skateboarding. And that's called a Smith grind. <laughs> Daniel Pickett says pretty slick rail grind. Adam Newman's chief of staff says, bro thought he was in Tony Hawk, bro skater. The, the OC away. Patriot, I can shoot that rail. Trucker, hold my beer. Yeah,
2: the, the,
1: the. David Carmelo Garcia said, so this happened in Monterey, Mexico, close to Ford Logistics headquarters. Thank God we did not book that truck. <laughs> and uh, someone said, hey, that, that's a real drop and hook. Crazy, I don't know. I wonder when I get to uh, when we get to read one safe a little bit later if you've seen anything like that on the road. But right now, we got to go over to Chicago, talk to Clara... Ferret Flarity, she's a co-founder and head of growth over at Carrier Source. What is up, Clara? I've been thinking a lot about Chicago. My kid last night, was his birthday. He wanted to watch Home Alone again. I think it's like the fifth time this season we've watched it.
5: I love Home Alone. That's such a classic Chicago movie. <laughs> it is. That house
1: is, uh, I was looking it up on, on Redfin. I think it's estimated at like 2.3 million now. It sold for 1.5 million in, in like 2012-ish, 2013. And it sold for, uh, in 1989, right before the movie, it sold for 875,000.
5: I'm honestly surprised it isn't marked higher. Like, I feel like someone out there, like a big Home Alone fan, would pay a bunch of money for to live in that house.
1: By the way, we got to settle the debate here: who has the best pizza in Chicago? Because I remember last time I had a carrier source person on, you guys sent me like a bunch of pizzas from Lou's.
5: That was yeah. So Rob, Rob, my coworker, used to work at Lou's, so he has a affinity for that for that pizza chain. Which I respect that. Like, respect the loyalty. Um, but Pequod's is for sure the best deep dish pizza in Chicago. There's, there's just no question. There's no debate and (laughs) I'm not taking any questions.
1: (laughs) Okay. So I got, got to go. I haven't been, so I can't like counter, I can't counteract. But next time in Chicago, I'll put that on uh, my checkout list. I got screwed when I went there. I ordered a pizza at the bar and I thought it was going to be a deep dish and they brought, and like all my friends had deep dish and they, I got like a uh, crack, like the cracker thin crust one. It was like. I almost cried. It was, her- it was yeah. horrible.
5: <laughs> Especially because you wait for it for so long and the anticipation yeah. builds up. Like
1: 50 minutes of just like star. And I <laughs> starved myself too because you know you're eating a giant ass pizza and like it's it's going to fill you up like you just ate a giant stack of pancakes. So yeah, I was starving and I got my cracker and then the people I was with made fun of me. They're not around.
5: <laughs> I'm so sorry that happened to you. Hey, you've
1: been, you guys have been sort of naming and shaming double brokers over at Carrier Source. We've been publishing a list of double brokers. Tell me about this.
5: Yeah. So we, about three months ago, I think our first version of it was published in September. Um, we just were seeing all the fraud and we were like, okay, how can we, how can our platform uh, really help? And our whole thing is transparency. Um, like like Kevin was talking about earlier, like we really want to bring transparency to logistics. We want everybody to be having these open conversations. Um, so we started publishing these lists of flag double brokers, which are people who have been, carriers who have been flagged as double brokering by the brokers and shippers that are using our platform to write reviews. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know, we're kind of like that Yelp for trucking companies. So it's an open site, open database, and people can come in, write reviews of carriers that they've worked with, good and bad, um, and just giving that that feedback to them in a, in a public place. And then the carriers can come in and respond to those reviews. So these lists that we have, we've been releasing to, to really help highlight here's the public people that we know are double brokering and it's been interesting to see since we've released these lists like a lot of companies have closed that have been flagged on these lists because they were double brokers you know the companies that have like eight flags of double brokers okay they eventually stopped doing business because so many people saw that they were doing this um so it's been it's been uh it's been interesting for sure
1: oh wow so I, I, before we get into who some of these double brokers were, I'm curious when you have a rating site like this, there's always like a, a bad bias, right? You're always going to have people who were angry about something that are going to write reviews first and people that were super happy. How do you sort of like average that out?
5: For sure. So we, I, my background is in reviews. I come from a company called G two, which is like the Yelp for software, and then came into CarrierSource. So reviews is where is really where you know my my background lies, and we take the moderation of the reviews super seriously. So when people are writing reviews, we don't approve them unless we can verify a Are you who you say you are? And b Have you worked with this company? So we ask for some kind of screenshot of redacted rate con emails between you and the carrier something like that to kind of prove that you've you've had this experience you speak to um we do get a lot of like very angry or very happy reviews but i think in any review site that kind of happens and it all averages out to that star rating um which is what people people generally look at and we've we've had a lot of conversations with carriers who are like okay i have this one bad review what do i do about it and it's like hey, negative reviews are not necessarily a bad thing like especially I'm doing all my Christmas shopping right now. I'm looking on Amazon. I don't trust the products that have five-star ratings only. You know, I trust you know, the 4.7 or the 4.8 um, because that shows they're not they're not gaming their reviews. They have at least a couple negative ones because people are unreasonable and they're going to leave some negative reviews, you know?
1: No, that, that makes sense. So do you have, like... When you say you look at these reviews of people who are flagged to be double brokers, are are there any like really bad offenders on there? Like, who are you seeing on this list? Are they are the same names popping up over and over again? Is is it constantly growing?
5: Yeah, it is constantly growing. We get about 30 new carriers every month that are flagged as double brokers. Um, Part of what we're trying to do is is really open everything up. So the list is public. Uh, You can find it on our blog, on our website. If you sign up, um, carriersource.io. Uh, you don't even need to sign up to, to, read the, to read the list. And it's 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 public for everybody out there. So we have 592 carriers um, that have been publicly wow. flagged for, for double brokering on that list. And, and we intend to keep growing that and keep sharing that. Um, but then we also create a mechanism for carriers to reach out to us. And, you know, we are a team of humans moderating reviews. So we know that we're not perfect. So we're inviting the community into that conversation. So carriers can report reviews if they're like, I never worked with this broker. Here's the proof that I have. And then we can take another look at it, take a deeper look, reach back out to that broker be like, Hey, we're getting this feedback. Do you have anything additional that you can add? Um, so we're really trying to create that conversation.
1: Very, very interesting. So do, do they ever reach to some of these named double brokers ever like reach out to you with like angry letters or start to try to appeal? Is there like a process to this?
5: There is. So every carrier can can report reviews, whether even we've also had some carriers reporting positive reviews that they get, which I'm like, why would you do that? But but okay, good honesty. Um, So they can report reviews and then our team goes in and takes a second look. We definitely have had people reach out, not a ton, because turns out a lot of the double brokers don't care about their image on the Internet. Um, So not a ton of people have reached out about the negative reviews that they have. Um, but when we do, we we definitely do our due process to make sure that we feel we can strongly stand behind the review that we have posted on our site.
1: Interesting. One of the things you mentioned to me in a DM too is that you're working on helping carriers with their marketing. Where are carriers like I have a lot of opinions on this, but where do you think carriers are most efficient in their marketing and, and how can you help them?
5: I think that for I mean, I think that there's a there's a baseline that that a lot of companies are are not hitting, and I think especially with all the fraud that is happening, a lot of brokers and shippers are turning to Google and googling companies, and and trucking companies just aren't coming up. Um, so what we're trying to do is create that that base online presence that every carrier, regardless of size or resources to market, can have. So. We've created a profile for every single carrier with their safety and insurance information. They can gather reviews for free. They can put in their truck types, shipment types, their preferred lanes, the states they operate in, um, a description of their company, a logo, just creating this, this one landing page for carriers. Um, and we're, we're providing that for everybody. And they can come in, claim that page for free, gather reviews, really start um, start vamping their online presence. Um, on top of that, we do offer additional marketing features if they're interested in having someone else do their marketing for them. So we can make them a website within, you know, six hours. We can uh, create a truck capacity email. So we every Monday, we email out to our audience of brokers and shippers where our customers are looking for freight that week. Um, we advertise their profile across all of carrier source. And then they can use the reviews that they're gathering on carrier source offsite. So they can put it in their email signature. If they have their own website, they can put reviews onto that, all of that stuff. So we're really just trying to create, create, help them create a brand and help them create a, a, a landing page, whether it's our profile or a website that they can send people to showing them who they are, what they do and the good work they do.
1: Very interesting. And they can find that out at carriersource.io. Can they not?
5: Carriersource.io. Yes. <laughs>
1: Thank you, dude. Go over there. Look out that double broker list. Go over there. Look up the, these marketing tools, especially if you know, you're know you not getting those inbounds that you want. You might need a little marketing. You know, tree falls in the forest. Nobody hears. It doesn't make a sound. Nobody knows who your carrier is, right? And you know, the bad marketing is you don't want to end up on the double broker list. So make a good relationship. Don't rip people off. Be a good person. And have a happy holidays. You have some announcements in the new year, so we'll have Rob back. You two can debate pizza at that time. But in the meantime, people want to reach out to you directly. Where do, Where do they go?
5: Uh, they can reach me at Clara, C-L-A-R-A, at carriersource.io, or on LinkedIn. I uh, would love to chat to to anybody. We're also always open to feedback. Uh, we want to make this the best product it can be.
1: Sweet. I, by the way, I don't see a carrier source ornament on my tree, so you, you might want to get on that.
5: I did see your picture of the tree this morning, and I clocked to myself. I owe Duner an ornament, for <laughs> <Yeah>. sure.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks for stopping by. You have a happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and Thanks, a happy Dooner, New Year. Merry we'll Christmas. catch up with you soon. Take care. All right, let's take a look at a port for a second here. Let's do some cans moving in ocean. Why? Why not? It's soothing. John J. Filson says, nice ship video for the loading process. By the way, West Coast Longshoremen I know do call them cans. Elsewhere, it never made sense to me, but every industry has terms that don't make sense. Try me on railroads sometime. I don't know, like I came, I started out in the Global 3PL side and they were always called cans. I thought everyone called them cans, maybe not. Reed Looselot says, anytime I see them called cans, I think of the wire. You guys are going to give me grief, but I have not, I've never seen The Wire. I know it's on HBO, it's just one of those, it's like a daunting task when you see something that has like five seasons. I've never seen Game of Thrones either. I've seen half of the first episode. All right, enough about me, because we got Ben McCulley here, author of Read When Safe. What's up, Ben? Hey, Dooner, pleasure to meet you. What's up? I like, I like the vibe you got going on in your room, like the lighting and everything. That's how I like to like, when I'm around, I like, to, I like it to be a little dark.
3: Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. I uh, I wrote a book on mastering the craft, and
1: when you master the craft, everything's nice. Everything has to be nice. How did you ma- How did you master the craft? How long How were you trucking for before you wrote this book? Uh,
3: probably 13 years. I took a break to uh, to do some sales, but then I got back in and uh, knocked it out of the ballpark. Now I'm a independent owner operator, and I created the perfect Christmas present for a truck driver so anybody that can hear that's within the uh, sound of my voice if you need a Christmas present for a truck driver uh, there's there's the book but hey I wanted to mention your sweatshirt is
1: Epic. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Aeroswag, for for making that. Um, anytime you try to put us on blast, we'll probably put you on a T-shirt. So watch your watch your mouth, people out there. We clap back around here at Freight Waves. Um, <laughs> I like it, though. So when when did you decide... Like, a lot of people think about writing books, and that's it can be a daunting task. Where do I even start? What, how am I going to go? So, like, what was your process? How did you go, you know what? I've been driving long enough, and I got some stuff to say. Well, you,
3: as a civilian when you leave your station or your office and you go out of town and you see the city behind you there's a mental snap you there's this road trip clarity that you get and you know truck drivers are lucky to have that all the time but i had a super snap and i i was in hawaii and so i saw my little trucking world back in the upper midwest from thousands of miles away in utter clarity so i thought well you know what i'll write a book and uh, the jet lag was so uh, large there that I had all this time in the morning to to write it down. And I did it pretty quickly. I did it in forty five days. And there's a reason for that because one of the main tenets of the book is systems over goals. And I created a system, and I got it done quickly. It's not perfect, but it's uh, it was done
1: pretty quickly. I've been enjoying it. I've been listening to the audiobook. We have a few clips from it. The first one is talking a little bit about the Jake break. Let's take a listen.
0: As you approach mastery, the synchronizing oh. evolves into even further nuance. This with the not you though, is it? of engine braking. No, this Always is Paul McSorley Jake break. Press your service pedal only at the very end. It preserves your equipment and encourages a smoother ride. Your 10 gears combined with four Jake's, produce 40 levels to paint your canvas depending on weight as you go down a hill increase and decrease your jake as needed not your service pedal modern trucks are quiet and you can disregard local signs advising of <laughs> no engine braking
1: i was gonna ask you about that and what do you think about those signs well i you know i i know there's a lot of truckers that
3: have real loud jake brakes but you know by the numbers there's not too many of those trucks uh most trucks have quiet jake brakes but uh yeah i i when i was i, I wanted a, a audio book ultimately but uh you had to publish a book a book first which turned out pretty cool but i wanted Optimus prime to read it so uh like it, peter cullen narrated yeah exactly so, so i this guy's out of Cincinnati. And he did a phenomenal job reading it. It just blows my mind how well he read it. And it's like $4. So it's a no-brainer. Just freaking get the book.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I got, I've got, i got it on Audible. I've been I've been listening to it. It's a good time. Let's do one more clip. So let's do the solitary clip. You guys in the back have the one on solitary. It's a big thing a lot of drivers face. This it's might when be you the hardest palette of
0: competence to master. Solitary confinement is a punishment for only the worst criminals. Yet here we are, stuck in our truck alone for days. First, realize that everyone, from the happy fisherman to the stressed out businessman, from the farmer in the field to that prisoner in the cell, are in some type of prison. There is nowhere to escape to. The grass isn't green over there. By having this mindset, you immediately stop envying greener pastures. With this, we are all prisoners reframe, you begin to subconsciously devise ways to make yourself better, rather than fantasize about escape. You stop being a victim and begin being a creator. You stop being an NPC and become the main player. Your time on the road can be squandered in self-pity or used productively to win the game.
1: What is your best tip yeah. for that? How did you, how do you keep your head in there? Cause you, you framed it. I mean, you framed it in kind of a dark way, but at the same time, you're like, look, you got to empower yourself. You got to be the guy in the prison who's working out every day. Uh, I
3: mean, the, this book is kind of a meme in itself and that there's just ridiculous <laughs> stuff. I mean, I, I, there's a chapter that's all dad jokes. But in the heart of it, there's a it hits a core truth, and the the time section is is paramount because the whole framework of the book is you stack pallets, you stack pallet stacks, pallets of competence. There, it's a playoff of Scott Adams' talent stacks, and with this time, you can make yourself a better person. Like all this coolness that i'm surrounded by i didn't sit there in a semi truck and just burn with with complaints all day the the best way to start to turn that mindset around is is to change the the general direction of where you're going and that's kind of what the whole book is is about but i i list you know from news to audiobooks to um to to writing all kinds of things but uh to keep uh, you sane to, to keep you sane but it's you know i think to to explain that hardcore truth would take a long form uh format yeah to, to go over that
1: i got yeah, yeah, you so, know, oh i got a question for you hit, hit me with the dad joke what you got a dad joke on hand
3: uh sure my wife, she's always asking me why I always have candy. And I said, well, I always have a few Twix up my sleeve.
1: Oh! Hey, here you go. A little cowbell, a little cowbell for that one. Well, there's a lot of crazy stories in your book, and I had some questions of my own. So let's take a look at this bridge over here. I got a question for you. What is the scariest bridge or road you have ever found yourself on? Because this guy's is just pretty bad. I mean, he's even a tractor. He's like a hotshot tractor. You couldn't even get a truck driver to do this. For you, what is like you? What is your what is your schedule? Oh, I can Uh, talk right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you
3: know, you know. Sometimes I make coffee while I'm driving, and sometimes I'm I'm peeing in a bottle while I'm making coffee while I'm driving. And if you do those two things during the uh, while you're going through the tri-state through Chicago with uh, the the one-lane zones, you're like shaking hands with death at that time. So that might be the scariest um actually the scariest i can't say on air oh okay is that contra- <laughs> is it in the book no oh no <laughs> it's, okay that's yeah we're, we're, we're friends now maybe we'll talk about it in the distant future
1: You'll have to at least DM me. You'll have to at least DM me. I, I trust me. I'm a journalist. I will not put your secrets out there if they don't want them. So how about this? Like truck drivers. You spend a lot of time in that solitary. You ever stop by a really great lounge? I mean, most truck driver lounges aren't great, but you ever been like this one has a movie theater in it?
3: Yeah, you know, I've watched some football games and some lounges like that, but I, you know, I'm coming at the the industry at the the complete opposite spectrum from what you think trucker is yeah you know there's everybody just not everybody but you know with the millions of truck drivers there are you know there's a lot of non-apportioned drivers there's a lot of you know illegal immigrant non-apportioned drivers that nobody even knows exists you know here in wisconsin there's a lot of whey and brine and you know we're we're strapped on of the 15 liter cummins and we're driving trucks like some hardcore truck drivers but we're not driving, you know, here and there and everywhere. So, uh, I, I, the the truck stop lounge and the far away from home, that's not me and I'm and I want to help you know young lost souls that might feel that that's their future that hey, you know, you want to be effective and happy and cool with style at home in a truck, there's a way. If you read the book,
1: all right. Well, is our tattoos part of your style? Have you ever gotten a a tattoo at a truck stop?
3: <laughs> no, I'm. Uh, you know, I got commitment issues. I'm a truck driver because I got a problem with authority, <laughs> and uh, you know, a, a tattoo is like like a boss you can't get rid of. So, I, you know, I, I'm I'm sometimes I get a little too philosophical, but uh,
1: you no, know, I I hear you. I hear so I don't you
3: have se- any
1: tattoos. You're selling a lot of copies of the book. Are they flying off the shelves? How, how you how you getting it out there?
3: Um, you know, I had when I when the audio came up, <clears throat> I uh, I let Scott Adams know who Elon Musk follows, and he uh, retweeted it, and I let uh, Jack Posabick know, and he retweeted it, and I sold like I don't know fifty. That day, but other than that, it's kind of slow. But I'm prolific. I'm creative, and it it doesn't really uh, matter if I sell any books at all. I had to get this off the chest, off my chest, and you know, with my systems over goals, it wasn't hard to do. And also, you know, if you if you think about uh, what you've spent on something or your credit or debt uh and the passive income so you know i might be negative 2023 2024 but this is etched in stone forever so if i pop off 50 books a year and 10 years from now it's you know but that's that more than money more than sales it's an energy monster
1: Ben, oh, the keyboard cat is playing us off, but I want to sell some. This is like the perfect stocking stuffer, the perfect gift for the trucker that you don't know what to get or you do know what to get. It's Read When Safe. Go on Amazon. You can get an audio. You can get the paperback version if you got a guy who likes to read on the throne. Find Ben at Read When Safe on X. You can find me at Timothy Dooner. Find this show at FW What the Truck. Hey, everybody, take care. Have a great weekend. We will catch you back here on Monday.